The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. To the house, This is unbelievable. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Danny Cannell. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. The college football playoff is set. Number one, Alabama will be playing number four, Notre Dame, in the Rose Bowl in Dallas. Uh, Of course, relocated officially on Saturday. And number two, Clemson, will be playing number three, Ohio State, in New Orleans in the Sugar Bowl. Both those games will be on January 1st. Texas A&M lands in the number five spot. And number six is since... Hold on. Number six is I'm I'm looking at the sheet. I could have sworn that we would have seen Cincinnati at number six, but no, it's Oklahoma checking in at uh, number six. Lots of uh, lots of ways to attack this. Danny, um, is do you think that the the biggest hang up and the biggest frustration here in the moment, you know, right after the announcement has been made, has to be from Cincinnati and the rest of the group of five? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I still think, you know, if we truly did this and you asked a lot of people, you know, who do you think is the better team? And of course, Vegas could set a line that would tell us that. I feel like Oklahoma is a team that I, 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 that game versus Texas A&M will be fascinating. I feel like Oklahoma is the better team. I feel like they'll beat them, but I also feel like Oklahoma could beat Notre Dame who got in. And if that's truly what we're supposed to do is find the four best teams, well, then why wouldn't they be in the conversation? But they just get forgotten about because they have two losses, which everyone yells and says, we can't have two losses, but you can have one and undefeated teams remain behind you. There's just, there's a logic, there's a math in college football that makes zero sense whatsoever. So I'm trying to take deep breaths and I'm trying to take Tom's advice and saying we all love each other no matter don't what get, when the dust yeah, settles. Don't get mad let's at Let's just everybody. get along. Yeah. Let, let's just get along. I, I, you guys know, I mean, I've been fired up about this thing the, the entire year. You know, when I talk about it, I get passionate about it because it just, to me, it would be really easy to fix this, to make it better. And I think people are starting to recognize the need for change and hopefully it comes sooner rather than later. But like, as far as these four teams, the committee nailed it. Cause you know why it'll get the greatest ratings of anybody else. Like, I mean, that is that, is that what it's supposed to be about? No, but that's how it's going to end up. 
Let's go back in time, gentlemen. A couple months ago, who told you that the final four was going to be Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Ohio State, no matter what? Yep. That was one time. You know what's really annoying about it is you said no matter what, and you were so damn stubborn about it. And sure enough, here we are. And I guess we get to say that, like, Tom was right. And yeah, and he was. And but the thing, <laughs> the thing is, like, you're, you're upset about the hypocrisy and the lack of logic. The thing that upsets me is that I kind of wish Clemson had lost yesterday just so that way it could still be in the top four. Like I told you it would have been. And that's Ooh. the only that's what annoys me is that I don't get to kind of be like, I told you so about that, because I'm telling you, had Clemson lost that game close, they'd have still been in the top four. Texas A&M was never going to get a realistic shot from the committee, not having only played nine games. And that's funny, too, Danny, because that's one thing you mentioned, like Ohio State being six and oh, it is a really good argument to make that it's not fair that a team that only played six games is being held to the same standards as a team that played nine, 10, 11, 12 games, because it's much easier to go six and oh than it is to go 10 and one. But a lot of the people I've seen making that argument have not made that same argument or have reversed that argument when it comes to debating between Texas A&M and Notre Dame, in which they ignore that Notre Dame played 12 games and went 11 and one and Texas A&M only played nine games and went eight and one. So it's, it's funny. That's my most amusing thing from this is how everybody's arguments for one team or another seem to change depending on what they want the team to be. Well, the, the definition of uh, how we measure these teams going forward, there was an interesting question that Reese Davis posed to Gary Barta, and it was, man, it, it was really just sort of trotting out something that uh, that I, I wonder if it becomes one of these offseason talking points because I don't think ultimately uh, it will become something moving forward. But he said, are you worried at all that this will influence future scheduling? that this less is more approach, you know, you don't open yourself, you don't make yourself vulnerable to uh, potential losses. As long as you're undefeated, you improve your chances. I don't think that we will see anything like that moving forward because we need inventory. We need games for television. But uh, do you think that there will be any larger takeaways from the way the committee has reacted to uh, the college football playoff, at least in the top six? No, I think that's a dumb argument or a dumb question, honestly. I This season, there was never any team openly arguing to play fewer games. Some teams had to play fewer games because that's just... The Ohio State played fewer games than the SEC because the Big Ten decided it wasn't going to play its season, and then it changed its mind, and then it tried to cram eight games into eight weeks. That wasn't Ohio State's decision. They didn't go out there and say, let's schedule fewer games to increase our odds. That's just the circumstance that we're in, and nobody is going to schedule in the future saying, well, let's only play four games, and then we'll get in the playoff. No, it's about money, and the more games you play, the more money you're going to make. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, uh, yeah. On my radio show, we've had some callers say, "Well, what, what if this is a trend that you know we're going <laughs> like to see opt outs? Yeah, like we're going to see conferences try to manipulate the system, you know, the way the ACC did towards the end, and the way that the Big Ten did towards the end." And I'm like, "You guys realize this is a pandemic, right? Like this has been a this is a one off. I mean, this is a one off now." And then you know, it's funny because there's a part of me that says well, what happens if this kind of extends? And, you know, we thought we were going to be out of this in six months and we're getting close to a year. And what if there are still issues and testing and, you know, stuff comes up and crops up that still kind of lingers. 
Maybe, like maybe you kind of go back, but as soon as we get past this, whether it takes, uh, you know, whether it's done when we get back to this upcoming college football season in 2021, or it's back to 2022, whenever this kind of goes in the rearview mirror, you're not going to see, you know, conferences manipulating things. They won't be able to. It's just impossible. It was a weird year. And I do feel bad because, you know, I feel like I'm principled in my beliefs. Like we have a lot of principles that we stick to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it was just a principle thing that that's incredibly unfair that Ohio State only played six games versus 11 of the other three teams. And yet I've got Ohio State fans like feeling like I'm, it's against them and it's against their players. I love the fact that they wanted to play. I love the fact that Justin Fields was out there pounding the table. It is not their fault. It's not their fault that they had the strictest protocols of any Power 5 conference. It's just the way that it unfolded. I don't think it's fair at the same time that they get to move forward. Now, now that it's done, it's gone, it's done. They could if they get their best shot, maybe they could win it all. And they'll say, "You know what? We were right." Now we'll get to see. So have you allowed yourself to actually get excited for these games? Is there excitement for these games? Because you mentioned the Ohio State factor. I mean, and they said this on the broadcast, like this is an original, but I'm, I feel like we should, uh, we should entertain the idea that uh, you think Ohio State heard all that smack that Dabo was talking about how they shouldn't be in the college football playoff? Like, do you think that adds a little bit of layer of intrigue? Because on one hand, it's like, oh, great, it's Clemson, Ohio State. They've met in the semifinals for three times in the last five years. It was 31 nothing Clemson. Then it was Clemson all the way down to the, the final play. You know, uh, Justin Fields throws an interception. If it's a touchdown, Ohio State goes to play LSU in New Orleans instead of the Clemson Tigers. Uh, I... I'm really excited about the game. I think it's going to be a good game. I'm excited about both. I don't know if they'll both be good games. I'm excited to watch them because I do think that these are the four right teams. If we're just going based on the best teams in the country, and even if they're close, then we're going with the four most deserving teams as well. Because I do think we talked about that on the reaction show last night. I think Notre Dame and Texas A&M are very similar, but I think once you get to the resumes, Notre Dame's more deserving. But I, I, I am excited about the games. And I also think that one of the nice benefits of this really ridiculous, dumb, crazy, stupid season is that there's not nearly the same amount of layoff between now and when these games will be played. Mm, you know what I mean? Because it's yeah. like normally we got to spend a month listening to like all the hype and all that kind of stupid stuff leading up to the game. Now it's like, what, two weeks? Well, instead of, Dece- yeah, instead of December 6th to January 1st, it's like now we're less than two weeks away uh, to the point that, uh, as we mentioned, the Big Ten is revising its protocol such that uh, they can get Chris Alave Drew Trisman and uh, Baron Browning among those other Ohio State players potentially back in. Danny, do you, do you, we've seen the opening spreads. It's 17 and a half for Alabama over Notre Dame. I believe it's six and a half for Clemson against Ohio State. Uh, are, are you going to take Notre Dame? Um, probably not. Um, but I will say this. Cause I, I, you know, I heard a lot of, well, you know, Notre Dame got you know boat raced yesterday by Clemson. And it's, it's funny because Notre Dame in big spots, and, and I'll go back to the national championship game versus Alabama, and you know, Bama fans get mad at me if I say this. Maybe Clemson fans will get mad at me if I say this. If that first quarter, if they can just find – they were driving the ball really nicely and had to settle for field goals. Of course, one got blocked. They, you know, they, they had the one they made. But if they could convert, like that game could unfold differently. I don't think they're as bad or as far off as they think, but 
against Bama first time. I don't know. So I, that's a that's a really really tough call. Yeah, I think that like the when it comes to playing Bama, this is not a great matchup for Notre Dame simply because when you look at the offenses that stress that Alabama defense, they're the ones with the great wide receivers who could stress them vertically, the really good quarterbacks with the you know big arms. Like Florida was able to do it, the Rebels were able to do it to an extent had Georgia had JT Daniels, they might've been able to do it. I don't think Notre Dame has that. I think they've got a lot of very large giant tight ends, but they're not like the kind of deep vertical threats. And I, I think that's going to make it more difficult for them to really push the Alabama defense. So right now my lean would be on Alabama there as well. Minus 17 and a half. Yeah. What about for the other one for Ohio state Clemson? How healthy are the Buckeyes at that game? It, 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 that's going to depend a lot on who's available to play. Because that's, I mean, my personal line, I think that should be closer to four and a half, five. So if it's at six and a half, then I'm leaning towards Ohio State. But it's, again, it's going to depend a lot on what we know about who's going to be eligible to play and all that stuff heading into it. I think I might lay I think it with so too. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I kind of have to see the line movement, see where some see, of the public money is wait, going. Wait, wait, like I got, <laughs> I kind of got away from that. And I was, that's what bothered me in our standings. Cause I was on the Alabama side against Florida. It was such a public play. And I usually try to stay away from where the majority of the money is going. So I'm kind of interested to see where some of the money comes in on these teams before I do it. And then of course, you know, we'll break down every single aspect of this game, but that, that'll be something curious to me to see which, which direction this line moves. The, um, the Oklahoma Sooners again, checking in at number six, if Oklahoma doesn't lose to Kansas state, they're in at four over Notre Dame as a one loss big 12 champion. Yes, I think so. I think there's a good chance they are. But I still would probably pick Alabama over Oklahoma in that college football playoff semifinal. Yeah. Yeah. Like even with the big number? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they they get they do have the same kind of offense that could stress Alabama, just I don't think they have quite to the extent that like Florida has. Uh Barton Simmons joining the show. Outraged. Yeah, what are we mad about? Texas A and M not getting in. We got any? We got any? Danny, what's Danny mad about? What I miss? What's the What's the cliff notes? <laughs> Danny's Zen right now. Danny's Danny's yeah, he's accepted it. I'm calm. I'm calm. Yeah, and I, I did I did notice that some of the one star reviews might be coming back because the Twitter Danny has been full force <laughs> over the last 24 <laughs> hours, which is not a good thing for the reviews on Apple uh, on the Apple reviews. Uh, I just I get fired up about the whole sham of a process that we get. We broke that down like the first five minutes, but now that the dust is cleared and Cincinnati's been you know, forgotten about and Oklahoma who might be able to beat a lot of these teams and coastal Carolina is completely off the radar. Doesn't even get a chance, even though their resume might be better than Cincinnati's. Now that we're talking about these four teams, like I think it'll be fun. I think we might see some fun games here uh, that are going to match up in the semis. Do you like, does it do you, like, are you, is there, what's the oh, level the Clemson, of confidence? Ohio state, the Clemson, Ohio state, I think will be a fun game. Like, I think that one, I think that'll be a ton of fun. I, I the Alabama, Notre Dame matchup. Tom was just saying I would have to agree with him. I don't know if that's a great matchup 
for Notre Dame, but it's not a great matchup for anybody yeah. except for Florida because Florida had some of that offensive firepower to go toe-to-toe with them in that shootout. I think Clemson will be a fun matchup if they advance uh, and they bring out the kind of offense that they showcased against Notre Dame this uh, yesterday. So I think that could be a fun matchup. There is, It does feel like there's a pretty big gap between three and four and I do think like as much as Ohio State has an advantage of playing six games, only playing six games, I also think it works against them because they haven't been able to improve much. There's been the stop and start. They've had COVID issues. They've had players out. So there isn't that much continuity. Can they get back guys and can they find some rhythm and timing and development in practice will probably determine how they look in this game. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think so. I think that there's a there's a very very good opportunity, and I like what Nick Saban told Jamie Erdahl last night. It was it was probably good for Alabama to get tested like that. It's probably good for them to get shaken out of their fifty two to three, you know, fifty one to fourteen kind of rhythm right there. Start to get a little push, start to get a little uncomfortable. They had to deal with close game situations against a very very good and very talented team, and I just think that that's like a great way to uh, to refocus heading into the playoff. I kind of think Alabama and Clemson both win those games by double digits. It's hard. Not, I mean, it's hard hard to make an argument for Notre Dame keeping it close against Alabama, but that, 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 that's the case for anyone, probably non-Florida. I mean, maybe you can make a case. I don't know. I, I was going to say Oklahoma's offense. Maybe you can make a case for them having the, the goods to, to get in the shootout, but I, I don't see anybody but that Florida offense outside of the top, you know, t- top three being able to keep that game close. All right. Well, what about Clemson? What if it's Clemson? Clemson and well, Alabama? I mean, I mean yeah. you got Trevor Lawrence. I, right. I think that that's, I think that he, yeah, I do think that he is, the way he played last night or yesterday makes me believe that he is good enough to elevate his his team offensively. And, and look, you got EJ Williams making one-handed catches <laughs> and like, you know, some of that sort of stuff starting to flash now for Clemson. In a way, it, it, it wasn't early in the year. So no, I, I not that I expect Clemson to 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 maybe beat Alabama, but I do think they are equipped to stay with them. You know what offense? This is totally like low key. I think could put up a lot of points against Alabama, although its defense would not allow it to come close to winning the game. North Carolina, I think North oh. Carolina could put up forty on Alabama. They'd probably give up seventy. But oh, I think they could score plenty of points on them. You mean North Carolina? the team that got the ACC two teams in the college football playoff because Gary Barta said that the final decision between Notre Dame and Texas A&M was that Notre Dame had one more ranked win than Texas A&M did, and that one more ranked win was against a three-loss North Carolina team that also lost to Florida State and Virginia. Yeah, because, I mean, North Carolina's offense isn't all that dissimilar from Florida's, except the difference is North Carolina has a run game. And no Kyle Pitts. And no Kyle Pitts. But right. they also have De'Ami Brown. They got plenty of weapons. Sure, sure. Daz Newsom, the rest of that crew. And so they get to go to the Orange Bowl and play Texas A&M. Thank you, is North Carolina. Uh, that is sauced. Those are just okay. some sauces. Oh. Don't you, didn't you guys think that Texas A&M's argument or their, their case to be made against Notre Dame was incredibly weak. Like I just, I, I, I really do. And I, you guys tell me if you disagree, like Jimbo's out there saying, we played Alabama and we played the sec and we beat Florida. And you pick apart each one of those and you compare it to Notre Dame's 
like you played Alabama at home and you lost by 28. Notre Dame played Clemson at home and you won. Um, you played in the SEC, which in some years might be a resounding case. But this year, if you dive in, ACC had more 10-win teams, more 8-win teams, more teams above 500, and more teams in the final top 25. Like, that kind of goes out the window. Uh, your best win uh, was against Florida then, who lost to LSU. Like, uh, every angle that you took, there wasn't really that great of a case. The only thing you could say is, we look better today. Like, we, we look great today, and it was against Tennessee, and Notre Dame looked awful against a team that might be an eventual national champion. I, just, I don't, I don't, if you guys disagree with me, I just don't think there was much of a case for Texas A&M. No, I think that if you're evaluating the teams just, you know, on the quote unquote eye test and you got those good ass eyes that Barton loves, I think that you can make a very strong argument that Texas A&M and Notre Dame, very similar teams, both at talent level, performance level, all that kind of stuff. But then when they're that close, it comes down to their resume. And then, like you just said, when you compare the resume, Notre Dame's is like the, you know, the big brand name and Texas A&M's resume kind of looks like the store brand generic version next to it. They both do the same thing. Both will get the job done, but you know, one looks a little better and costs more. <laughs> yeah. The, we, we talked last night on the reaction pod. I, I think that Notre Dame and Texas A&M are a coin flip in terms of who they are as teams. And, and I think Tom made a really good point in evaluating who they've beaten and basically not being much. And the whole SEC thing doesn't carry as much weight this year because the SEC, like, let's be real, it's just not an overwhelmingly dominant conference relative to the rest of the country. And so the hard part is if – I don't know that, that, that Notre Dame is, is necessarily – like, Notre Dame has beat a couple better teams, but A&M can only play who's on its schedule. I mean, so – uh, I think it's a coin flip. I think Notre Dame having the win over Clemson is probably so. I'm I'm kind of good with Notre Dame being in over AM, but I I can't defend. I can't like confidently say Notre Dame is a better candidate to be in that four spot than than Texas A&M. I, I can't. I don't have a lot of conviction about that. I think Texas A&M's um, argument for that is is fair. I mean, they they beat like. Part of, and part of my debate is like the idea that Florida, I think Florida is really, really good, really good. And, and Texas A&M beat them. And so that, that is your, that is your case. It's a one, it's a one game resume. If you're Texas A&M, it's, it's that you beat Florida. Again, though, I will say you get to gripe forever. You get to have that chip on your shoulder and Texas A&M is already a great, like chip on the shoulder fits right into the That's personality true. at Texas A&M. You get to believe like, you don't know what would have happened if you would have let us in. I mean, just it's from a fan's perspective, when it comes to justification, Texas A&M fans, I know I've been mean to you. You haven't had a team that I've loved for a lot of the year. I've got a lot of criticism for my, uh, my takes on this Aggies team, but I will tell you that it is going to be a healthier place to be when you beat North Carolina in the Orange Bowl and you can talk about what would have been than what might have happened in another game against Alabama or even maybe against Clemson in the college football playoff semifinal. So, listen, it was a, it was a great, great season for Texas A&M, and I think being left out at number five, you know, frustrating, sure, but I don't think that that should take away from the fact that you're right, Jimbo Fisher, you won seven straight games. You're one lost team in the SEC. Now keep building on it and uh, and work on closing that gap with Alabama. 
And if they lose, they can just say, oh, we didn't want to be here. We don't want to be here. It's perfect. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, quick, quick observation, because this, this is one thing, because uh, Tom, it resonated when you said the eye test, the good old eye test. Did you guys see the pictures of the committee watching the games together? Oh, you it know, looked miserable. It? All yeah. right. So I'm, I'm going to ask Barton this because he, he studies a lot of film with uh, 24-7 for recruiting rankings and those things. Played football a long time. When we study film, I've never seen people sitting around with no notes, with no clicker in your hands. So you can rewind plays back um, with really no, like to me, I'm like, th- but they like put it out there. Like they're so proud. Like we're right. watching, you're just watching games with the fan, like as fans. Yes. Like, and this is what we're supposed to rely on to determine. Like I, I had a tweet ready for it. I'm like, man, I don't want to tick off any more people than I already have, but it was just such a farce. Like, and they were so proud that they're watching games together. And yet they're just sitting there, just watching it, like trying to stay awake, like just sitting there. It's it is the dumbest thing. It is the <laughs> dumbest thing going right now. Is this like, we, I, I wish they wouldn't have given me that visual. Right. I wish they wouldn't. I wish they didn't have a talking point about, we watch the games. I would rather just, in my head, like imagine this all knowing omnipotent committee and no idea how they come up with the info, but like, they just know. And like, just let me, let me have that. Like, let me have that, that fairy tale because showing these guys sitting in these conference tables with masks on six feet apart, no notes in front of them, just literally watching the like TV copy. (laughs) Like, yeah, like none none of them wearing their TV, their, their, their school colors. Just like, Oh, we're so so, so objective. (laughs) they're not learning a damn thing it's ridiculous don't show us those don't 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 show us ever do that again and gentlemen this is why i will never be mad about a college football playoff ranking again because none of it means anything it's just it's the dumbest method for determining a champion in any sport that there will ever be and it's not their fault because this is a sport with a hundred and thirty teams and you can only play a certain amount of number of games per season and you can only play once per week or else players are going to start dropping like flies so there will never be a correct way to determine the national champion in the sport because even when we expand to eight there's going to be teams at nine and 10 think, well, shit, we got a shot. Why don't we get a chance to play? And there's going to be some guy in his Adidas track pants and a sweatshirt sitting in a hotel lobby, watching Me? a projector oh. screen, trying to decide, Hmm, is that the eighth best team or ninth best team? I don't know. I'm going to see what this play does. And then I'll decide. Those clothes were a little dystopian, right? <laughs> like was, a, I tweeted. It looks dystopian. like, do any of you guys ever watch the leftovers when it was on? I haven't gotten a chance to. Yeah, I love that show. It, it That picture, Barton, looks like a scene of The Leftovers. The people in that house. Like, <laughs> the ones we call it cult people. That's right. what that scene looked like. We wear no colors. We must sacrifice our bodies for the greater good of the ranking system. Ugh, creepy. No, it thank was, you. Uh, all right, I no- had to tweet it out. Literally, you guys, the conversation pushed me over the edge. Now I'm going to tick off all these athletic directors. <laughs> no, uh, I want them all fired anyway. I don't want athletic to have directors. Athletic directors shouldn't be on the committee anyway. No, like, no. Even if they're even if you're gonna go with the committee, why are we putting athletic directors on it? What what, what like what right do they have to be on the committee? They don't. Uh, to their well, resume. 
Well, I mean, it's kind of like a board of directors and sometimes you get somebody to sit on the board because it's important to have one of your people on the board. I think that's the role that the athletic directors play and they just kind of rotate who gets to go fill those spots. Who owns the college football playoff? The conferences. Exactly. Like the conference commissioners. <laughs> and yeah. they don't want they don't want morons like us determining their fate and how much money they're going to make. They'll handle it themselves. No, they need I, a heat check on like Frank Beamer. When like Frank Beamer gets in there, it's like we got to make sure we got somebody else in there to uh, to keep everything in line, to keep the good of the product uh, at the at the center of our focus. I am very much on board with the eight team thing now. Even even with the acknowledgement that the eighth team is just a, a sacrifice, you know, lamb to the slaughter. But you know, it's just like the the sixty fourth seed or the sixteen seed in the NCAA tournament. Like that's still an accomplishment getting in. You know, you're not going to beat the one, but you got in and that's good. That's a banner in your arena. Like let, like let's let getting into the playoffs be the new talking point. Now we're talking about, again, we're talking about 10 teams instead of six at least. Um, so I'm, I'm on board with it. Okay. Great point. Your uh, podcast mistress, Bud Elliott mentioned something that, uh, that I hadn't thought about the expansion to eight, especially if you're dealing with auto bids puts a lot more intrigue in these conference championship games because then you've got, you know, in the college basketball, we call them what like bid thieves, right? If you're sitting Mm -hmm. on the bubble, the worst thing that could happen would be for an underdog to win in the conference championship, get the auto bid when there's already team. That's the Florida gets the sec auto bid. Alabama, you know, now is going to be the new top at large. You thought you were the top at large last one in now, all of a sudden you're fighting to get in there. That sort of like, um, automatic bid battle mentality that would make conference championship Saturday super exciting watching all the games at once trying to track the the eight team playoff in real time again I have not been in favor of expansion but for what it would do to conference championship Saturday I think that would be really exciting and as my personal heat check as I know I've mentioned this on the show before but since I was right all along about the playoff and who would be in it. My next heat check is if they do expand to eight and that is the method that they use and we do see teams getting knocked off the bubble, quote unquote, like in college basketball, the new argument will then become from the same people who argued that we needed to expand to give the G5 a chance that, hey, you know what? No, Alabama lost the SEC championship game. It deserves that spot more than freaking Cincinnati does. We got to stop giving a group of five teams an automatic berth in the playoff and make sure that we get the eight best teams. In I there, mean, no matter if you're going to say best teams, you can't exactly. just give out these freebies. All right. And leave one of the best teams on the sideline. Yeah. hundred percent. Giving you a, just giving you a look into our futures, gentlemen. All right. So a uh, heat check is, uh, is Jeremy Pruitt going to lose his job today? I, I um I don't know what the like odds are, but it's like I was just from a if I'm getting odds on it, if I'm getting some some favorable value, like I would go ahead and I put some money on it. I don't know. So it's fifty fifty that we're back here in like four hours talking about or, Hugh Freeze to Tennessee. <laughs> or is there a chance? This is probably the this is probably the longest long shot that they're watching what's happened at Auburn. And they're saying, oh, wait, there's not a slam dunk hire that you're just going to be able to lure away, which they should have realized the last head coaching search when they thought they were going to get John Gruden uh, or whatever other coach they had that was going to be their guy, just like Auburn had their guy, Mario Cristobal, who fell through. Maybe, just maybe, they realize that you better have a plan before you decide to fire fire Jeremy Pruitt that is foolproof because it's not. They're going to be in the same position they were three years ago before that. I don't 
But but yeah, it's a flip of the coin. Mm, we'll see. It's, isn't it crazy how five months ago we're like, yeah, there's going to be a pass this year. A lot of forgiveness. It's COVID. You know, there's not there's not going to be that much coaching turnover. And here we are, same exact scenario as every other single year. Don't ever under underestimate the rabid nature of college football fans. Yo, that this was all this this bloodbath of a coaching carousel was all initiated by nice guy Shane Beamer. (laughs) (laughs) Guy made so many damn friends that South Carolina executed their head coach and opened the floodgates for everybody. I I just want to point out, speaking of the Auburn coaching search, that Auburn paid $20 for Gus to go away then hires a search committee and then has like a special panel of like, you know, former players and all that kind of stuff. And then they have boosters involved and their coaching search is a mess. Illinois paid Lovey Smith 2 million to go away. Didn't hire a search firm. AD hit it all himself. And then he had a coach five days later, just something for schools to think about going forward. Yeah. All these interviews are going to be zoom meetings. Anyways, you don't have to, you know, you're not scheduling uh, interviews in Chicago O'Hare airport. Like, just get on the horn. Nothing, mm. nothing to track. No cloak and dagger necessary. <laughs> if ever a time to, to just skip the search firm or hire cover three. Or hire cover three. Hire Always. Cover three. We will undercut all of those executive search firms and we will do it for less. Hire cover three for half. He is Danny Cannell. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Good luck, Jeremy. Hope you make it through Sunday. If not, talk to you folks soon. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG 13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.